Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. How are Latter-day Saints to recognize the divine love in the Father's plan? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. At the Sunday afternoon session of General Conference on April 3rd, 2022, Dallin H. Oaks, the first counselor in the first presidency, he is first counselor to Russell M. Nelson when he gave this message, gave a talk titled Divine Love in the Father's Plan. He gives some interesting comments that I think are worthy of inspection here. And he says in this talk a common misunderstanding of the judgment that ultimately follows mortal life is that good people go to a place called heaven and bad people go to an everlasting place called hell. Well, let's talk about that, Eric. Is that something that you believe as a New Testament Christian, that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell? Is that something that many Bible-believing Christians really believe, or is this a straw man? Well, the Bible teaches there is no one good, not one. So I would say that there are no good people, even though that's what many people would say they are if they were to face the judgment, that, that they would be able to say that I'm a good person. But the Bible says that there are going to be many people who come, according to Matthew 7, who are going to say, look at all the good things I did, and Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Yeah, I think as it's been said, the only good person that ever lived on the earth was Christ, and they crucified him. So if you're claiming that you're a good person, well, I'd like to have you defend that. And I don't think even a Latter-day Saint would want to defend that. They might compare themselves to other people and say, well, I'm better than this individual. But comparing ourselves to other fallen human beings is really not the way we should compare ourselves. We need to compare ourselves with the righteousness of Christ. And certainly once we do that, we see how far short we come. But when he makes this comment that there are people that believe that good people go to a place called heaven and bad people go to whatever place called hell, I'm not saying that there aren't people that believe that because there most certainly are people that believe that. Movies have been made on that theme. But the fact is that is not a Christian understanding. And if you're a Christian and that's what you think, you probably need to get back into your New Testament a little bit deeper because that's not what it teaches. But then Oakes is going to go on and elaborate on this, this statement that he just made. He said, This erroneous assumption of only two ultimate destinations implies that those who cannot keep all the commandments required for heaven will necessarily be forever destined for hell. Let me, let me stop you there, Eric, because coming from a Christian background, when he says the erroneous assumption of only two ultimate destinations— well, I, I get the idea of two ultimate destinations from the Bible. The Bible only talks about two destinations after this life. It's the LDS Church that comes up with all these other destinations, and Oaks is going to talk about that. 
But when he says the two ultimate destination implies that those who cannot keep all the commandments required for heaven will necessarily be forever destined for hell. Well, even in a, an LDS context, we're going to see that their scriptures do kind of imply that. Although I'm not arguing against the idea that they also have this concept of degrees of glory that Oaks is going to refer to. But when we look at what the Doctrine and Covenants has to say, or if you were to really look at what the Book of Mormon has to say, and I, I probably should pick on the Book of Mormon at this point because we don't see anywhere in the Book of Mormon where there's anything but two destinations. If the Nephites and Lamanites really existed, as we are told from the Book of Mormon, they don't seem to have any understanding of this concept of three degrees of glory. We don't see that anywhere within the Book of Mormon. It does talk about hell, and it does talk about hell in many ways very similar to the way the Bible talks about hell. But Oakes is going to go on to try and show the superiority of his belief system as opposed to what many Christians have historically believed when it comes to eternal judgment. He said, a loving Heavenly Father has a better plan for his children. The revealed doctrine of the restored Church of Jesus Christ teaches that all the children of God, with exceptions too limited to consider here, will finally wind up in a kingdom of glory. Quote, in my Father's house are many mansions, Jesus taught, and that's John chapter 14, verse 2. From modern revelation, we know that those mansions are in three different kingdoms of glory. In the final judgment, each of us will be judged according to our deeds and the desires of our hearts. Before that, we will need to suffer for our unrepented sins. The scriptures are clear on that. Let me stop you there, Eric, because when he says a loving Heavenly Father has a better plan for his children, this is what I meant by he's going to give us what he thinks is a superior position over and against what Christians have historically believed. He says the revealed doctrine of the restored Church of Jesus Christ. When you hear those kind of words, folks, that's code word for you. You're not going to find this in the Bible. When he goes on to say later on, from modern revelation, again, that's code words for you're not going to find this in the Bible. This is unique to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But when he says the revealed doctrine of the restored Church of Jesus Christ teaches that all the children of God, now again, there's that erroneous understanding that somehow all humans are the children of God. The New Testament does not teach that. The New Testament teaches that you become a child of God by faith in Christ. He forgives you. You are adopted into the family of God, but it comes by faith in Christ, not because you just happen to be born a human being. He says, with exceptions too limited to consider here, I'm sure that's a reference to the Mormon doctrine of the sons of perdition, which is a doctrine in Mormonism, but again, the qualifications to become a son of perdition I would agree, if this is what he's implying, they're, they're too limited to even consider. It wouldn't really apply to any human being, at least no human being that, uh, that I would know of. But he says, with exceptions too limited to consider here, we'll finally wind up in a kingdom of glory. In my Father's house are many mansions. Now, here's where we're going to have Dallin Oaks, whose background is in law, try to be a theologian, and he's going to rip from the pages of Scripture a verse and give it a meaning that was never implied by the author. 
when Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions, as you said, Eric, that comes from John 14, 2, he says, from modern revelation, we know that those mansions are in three different kingdoms of glory. Where does he get this? He doesn't get it from John. He doesn't get it from the New Testament at all. Nowhere do we find that teaching in the Bible. This is a unique teaching that was brought forth by Joseph Smith and is incorporated as a fundamental doctrine in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oakes goes on to say, in the final judgment, each of us will be judged according to our deeds and the desires of our hearts. Now, how does that really work if you're a Latter-day Saint and you really want to get into the celestial kingdom? There's the desire of your heart, but yet your deeds don't qualify you to get the desire of your heart. Do they cancel each other out? It would appear so. It wouldn't matter what the desire of your heart is, if you're a Latter-day Saint, if your deeds did not meet the standard for getting into the celestial kingdom, which of course is the context here that Oakes is talking about. He says, before that, we will need to suffer for our unrepented sins. The scriptures are clear on that. Now, when you look at the footnote in the printed text, it points you to Doctrine and Covenants section 19. I would encourage anybody, read Doctrine and Covenants section 19, and you tell me, does that paint a better picture for the unrepented human being than, let's say, the Bible paints for the unrepentant human being? I don't think so. We look at verse 4 in section 19, and surely every man must repent or suffer for I, God, am endless. Well, is this suffering just a very temporary thing, or does it go on a little bit longer than what most people might think is temporary? What does it say in verse 5? Wherefore, I revoke not the judgments which I shall pass, but woes shall go forth, weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth, yea, to those who are found on my left hand. Let me stop you there. When it says weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth, well, that sounds like that was cribbed from Matthew 13.42. So while he's trying to paint a better picture regarding what he thinks his church is teaching, he's citing from the Bible, the Gospels in this case, Matthew 13.42, weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. Now that expression is used to show a very unpleasant predicament that that individual is in. That's not a pleasant thing to go through. What does it say in verse 6? Nevertheless, it is not written that there shall be no end to this torment, but it is written endless torment. So from that, are we to assume that this is not just a temporary thing that's going to happen to this unrepentant individual? It is not written that there shall be no end to this torment, but it is written endless torment. Verse 7. Again, it is written an eternal damnation. Wherefore, it is more expressed than other scriptures that it might work upon the hearts of the children of men altogether for my name's glory. Verse 8, Wherefore, I will explain unto you this mystery, for it is meet unto you to know even as mine apostles. 
Verse 9, I speak unto you that are chosen in this thing, even as one, that you may enter into my rest. So it sounds like he's addressing Latter-day Saints in this section of the Doctrine and Covenants. Not that a lot of this wouldn't apply to non-members, but he's speaking directly to members. And it goes on in section 19, where it talks about, in verse 11, eternal punishment is God's punishment. Endless punishment is God's punishment, verse 12. Bill, I go back to the first sentence that we read from that paragraph, and he says, a loving Heavenly Father has a better plan for his children. If D and C 19 is true, then Latter-day Saints have no hope whatsoever. It would seem so, but I, I guess what irritates me is Oaks trying to make it sound like his church is superior to all other Bible-believing Christians, as somehow our understanding of eternal punishment is not something to be taken seriously. But yet, DNC 19 seems to describe an eternal punishment that is very similar to what the New Testament talks about. Verse 16 in, in section 19, For behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all, that they might not suffer if they would repent. Verse 17, But if they would not repent, they must suffer even as I. Is that something that most Latter-day Saints would look forward to? I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't even think that you could find this in the terrestrial kingdom, probably not even the celestial kingdom, according to the way most Mormons understand it. Tomorrow, we're going to continue looking at this conference message given by Dallin H. Oaks, titled Divine Love in the Father's Plan. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.